Hey everyone, and welcome back to Where's the Bride, the LGBTQ plus wedding planning podcast. I'm Alex. And I'm Oliver. And today we've got a really exciting show for you. It's our very first guest, Zoe Burke from Hitch.co.uk. So before we get straight into it, Oliver, what are we drinking to accompany today's podcast? So it's a Tuesday night and I've cracked open a bottle of white wine. It's a New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc. It was needed. (laughs) So we've been really, really excited to chat to Zoe. She's currently the editor of Hitch.co.uk, which is one of the UK's largest wedding websites, uh, offering everything from planning advice resources, a great selection of vendors, as well as really insightful advice and tips on how to plan your perfect day. Zoe's been with Hitch.co.uk for a number of years and she was really excited to talk to us today about what she thinks the future of the wedding industry is going to look like. So Zoe, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's all right. Um, there's loads we want to get through um, in the next sort of like 30, 40 minutes. But I really wanted to start off by kind of just finding out a little bit more about you, about your journey. Obviously, your day to day is the wedding industry, living and breathing the wedding industry. What is it about it that keeps you so, I guess, excited and entertained and like keeping loving what you do? Oh, my God. So, so much of my life is the wedding industry. Um I started out in weddings over 10 years ago now. I took an internship at Hitched. I'd never heard of it. I literally finished uni on the Friday, started at Hitched on the Monday and thought, well, this will do like for a year. This will get me into Cosmo. Um, And then, you know, I'll take over the world from there. Oh my God, I never left. Like I love weddings so much that I just got absorbed into this world. Um, You know, I've moved around a bit in the world of weddings, but I've come, come back home to Hitched again. And it's such an exciting, happy industry. And I think that's just why I love it so much. Like, and it's an industry that is unlike any other out there because it is entirely powered really by small businesses. Mm. And there's nothing else like that. It's like um, Etsy's come to life, you know, Um, and it's all around you. And so many of these businesses are female led as well, um, which again is quite a rarity, but this is an industry where really, you know, women, are very prevalent and it's great because you don't see that in other industries anywhere near as much as you should and that is something that has always really excited me about the wedding industry the chance to work with so many incredible business leaders every day specialists in their field that are creating amazing work helping people to have the best days of their lives um and it's just something you can't replicate anywhere else I think um Obviously, we're going through the whole wedding planning process as the, at the minute as two men, but as two gay men, I like the fact that it's very female-led when it comes to the planning side of it. Yeah, it's it's quite nice to speak to a lot of different people and a lot of people who set up businesses to kind of help with the wedding industry. A lot of them have done it from a need from their own wedding, which is something that I, I really like. And I like, you know, it's quite nice to speak to people and when they say... Oh, I set up this business because I couldn't find this and now I've realised it's working for me moving forward. I think, I think it's great. It's definitely an industry where you might feel like there's not space for you in another industry or another environment, but in the wedding industry, there always will be. It's a very welcoming place. And it's funny because weddings are built on so many traditions, some of which are 
crazily archaic and sexist but actually I think the wedding industry is a really progressive place and a very open place and a very adaptive place yeah definitely and that's why I thought what I thought was so interesting when we started out with this podcast because the whole reason we started to do it is because there's so much out there obviously in terms of like wedding inspiration for us too gay men it is very female focused not that obviously that's a great thing but it's just even the brief conversations we've had with whether it's straight female vendors who absolutely love the fact that we're doing this and they really want to get involved and um being like open to learn and adapt like you said I think that's the one thing I've noticed already is that no one takes anything um to heart too much everyone's so ready to be like everyone's day is different um everyone's wedding they want to feel so unique to them so even if they are doing a, a wedding every weekend and it's a huge variety of different people like they're always so um enthusiastic in how they can personalize it and how they can really like learn and adapt with each and every couple I think which is really really nice yeah and I think a huge part of that is that they are small businesses you know there's no MD that sat away from everybody else in their office with the door closed saying well this is how we've always done it Mm. you know these are people who are talking on the front line with the people they're going to be working with so you know they do see where they need to adapt and grow and you know it's it was a slow burner for a long time but I feel like in recent years there's been a huge shift in how the industry has changed has modernized has kind of woken up and it's really refreshing to see more and more people are talking about it. And what would you say, obviously, with um, Hitchlock and UK, what, what are your biggest successes since, obviously, you became editor? Oh, my goodness. Do you know what? That's a really hard question because I've been editor now for nearly a year and it feels like it's been my whole life. And it also feels like I literally started yesterday. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's really hard. Time is very elastic. Um, I think, for me... As we currently stand, we have got a full team now um, and we're actually recruiting to grow the team even more. So that's really exciting. But I think having this team together and the energy that we've got and the ideas that we've got um, and the the projects that we are about to introduce. And I'm so sorry that I can't say any more than that at the moment. We've got some really exciting stuff in the pipeline that I think is going to be incredible. And we've got such a great chance now to be creative and flexible. And that comes from the owners that we have. We got bought by the Not Worldwide um, in 2020, I believe. Um, I wasn't at the at the company at the time, but having these industry leaders, global industry leaders behind us and seeing the work that they're doing on the Not, um, it's so exciting to learn from these people and have these kind of pathways open to us that perhaps we couldn't have done before when we were a smaller business um so it's really exciting I'm sorry this is like a I can't really say anything at the moment but no, I love the biggest it. success <laughs> is to come, is to come. yeah um, I'll let you guys be the first to know when I can talk about oh, it yeah exclusive love it yeah um obviously the topics we talk around mainly on this podcast are about inclusivity and obviously inclusivity in the wedding industry specifically what would you say I mean, you've already mentioned that you think the wedding industry has adapted and modernised and changed. Obviously, same-sex marriage in the UK specifically has been around for sort of nearly a decade now. What would you say is your experience of inclusivity in the wedding industry? Do you think that it still has a long way to go? Do you think that we're making really good strides? The work is never done. Mm. I think, you know, to say that 
you know oh it's it's all good it's you know that is not a fair thing to say I think for the most part what I've seen in recent years and I feel like the pandemic triggered a big change in how people looked at their business I don't know for me it does feel like um because I had um a baby the year before the pandemic and I came back to work in the midst of the pandemic and it felt like a very different industry for a number of reasons but I feel like the aftermath of that people have really adapted what they do and they're looking to learn they're looking to develop more they're looking to offer more um but compared to the industry I started out in 10 years ago it's hugely different it's hugely different you know it was very traditional when I started out it was very um straight it was very white it was very you know everyone liked bird cages um and we have come a long way since then but there is still so much more to be done you know we're never ever gonna feel like we're done there's always more that we can do there's always more that we can learn there's always more that we can offer um and my experience at the moment is seeing people open up to that and embrace that which is great to see because you know the industry for a long time it felt quite old um it felt quite a lot like people were saying this is the way we've done things and now to see more people coming into it and more ideas opening up and it's more conversations are being had and it's it's an exciting place to be and I feel like it's only going to get more exciting it's only going to open up the more inclusive that it becomes the more representative that it becomes the more inspiration we have the more ideas we can share like there's 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 a lot to look forward to. We'll never, ever, ever be able to say, yeah, we're finished, we're done, we've done it all. Like, we're going to keep growing all the time. Uh, definitely. I think as well, it's really interesting that, I think I've noticed as well is that that really like old, very traditional, almost like formulaic white wedding, I see probably deconstructed more now in, in like every wedding I see or every wedding I go to rather than it being what it always traditionally has been for probably like hundreds of years. Um, and every wedding has its own quirks and there's always a huge fusion of cultures and ideas and I think like you said especially in terms of inclusivity in terms of gender sexuality race the more you see it you can be it and I think the more that um, there's some amazing small businesses that that obviously are solely for say like LGBT or they're just open for all but the more that they are showcasing different types of ceremony different types of wedding um, the better and the more inspired I think any kind of couple can be. And I do think the pandemic did trigger a huge amount of this because it was like, it was an awful, awful time for the industry, but but couples were told your wedding is 12 people, your wedding is 30 people. And suddenly people had to look at these traditions that we all just blindly followed. Like, wait a minute, I don't have to have a first dance. Wait a minute, I don't have to do this. I don't have to do that. And they re- like it was like people suddenly realised like oh god I'm doing these things because everybody does them but is it really me and and when people were kind of faced with that they thought about what was important to them and prioritized that and that's what a wedding should be about really what's most important to you both yeah celebrating that um and I do think that did trigger a big a big change in how we perceive weddings and how weddings are planned by people and have you seen obviously like a difference in how um, LGBTQ plus or queer couples plan the wedding is this is there a difference or is it kind of going down the same route I think in my experience uh the couples that 
I've worked with either like, you know, to write up their weddings after their day or, you know, when I talk to people with their planning queries and things or commissioning writers. I think for me, I get a sense that there's kind of a freedom because you're not so beholden to these traditions that people feel like they have to do. Like, oh, you know, for a woman, oh, my dad has to give me away. Mm. Like, if I don't ask my dad to give me away, will he be offended? Um, oh, but there's, you know, there's two brides, so we can say we're getting rid of that. Or there's no bride, so we'll say we won't do that one, you know. Um, and, like, who really wants to be given away, you know? Um, and that there's not this kind of cookie-cutter set of rules that you feel obliged to follow because it's what you do. Um, you are free to make things your own more and more representative of who you are. Um, that That's been my experience so far. Yeah, definitely. I think the, I always remember seeing a wedding that happened like during the pandemic and because they couldn't have a dance or they couldn't, we couldn't sing or something. They did like a quiz, but it was like a really light, it was like a bingo slash quiz as the reception. And I was like, I love that. Like, I hope that carries on as a thing like way after the pandemic. I thought it was really funny. Yeah, that's, um, that's the kind of stuff that I love to see. You know, people do stuff that's, to them yeah you couldn't you could have a first dance I think but you couldn't have everybody dancing and there was no singing um so we saw people like screening their favorite film you know or I saw one couple recently had two of those you know those retro dance machines oh yeah you have to, like, <laughs> like in the 90s like yeah oh, and they had a dance off <laughs> on one of those like that. it's crazy people it. have like realized <laughs> I don't have to do this anymore. I can do what I want to do. And it's so nice to see, no matter, you know, what kind of couple you are, the kind of freedom to realise just because it's a tradition does not mean you have to do it is a very freeing thing. Mm, definitely. I feel like your brain's worrying now about dance machines. Oh, I love a dance machine. <laughs> <laughs> I've been looking at waltzes, but <laughs> really Yeah, some dance machines. Have dance-offs. <laughs> I was going to say as well, we have spoken in like previous episodes a lot about what our non-negotiables are, like when it came to wedding planning. And those are couples I know that have either just got engaged in a starting or have been married. They've said that that was a really important thing to like iron out at first. So I guess from your experience of weddings and, and like the wedding planning industry, what would you say the most important things to agree on as a couple when you're starting to plan? So I think this is the best way to plan your wedding to to sit down together and say these are the things that make a wedding for me and the other person says these are the things that make a wedding for me and you like mash them together um because that's ultimately how you're going to decide where your money's spent because weddings are expensive you know so you need to prioritize for me I think the things that you should never skimp on is your photography yeah. You should always invest in the best photography you can because that's the thing that's going to last you forever. Your setting, because getting on with your venue is not just like where you get married. It's how they speak to you in the run up to it. It's how they make you feel. It's how they help you on the day. That is a really important thing that you can't really um, be too laid back about because, you know, especially if you're somebody who likes to know all the details, like me, I like everything very upfront and written down in front of me. You need a venue that can offer you that and deliver the things you want. I think that your entertainment is quite important and that doesn't necessarily mean that you would, you know, just have a band or just have a DJ or whatever, like thinking outside of the box. Do you want bingo? Do you want, you know, drag performers? Do you want dance machines? Like, 
that kind of stuff the, the stuff that's going to make it into an experience for you mm. and I think the catering as well because you should never ever skimp on your wedding catering and that again doesn't mean three-course meal with beef wellington it means if you really love wood fire pizzas getting that if you really love Thai food looking at that you know doing the stuff that you love and that's important to you um those are the things you won't regret spending money on whereas you know if there are things that you're not that fussed about but again you're doing it because you think you should you are probably going to feel resentful about spending that money yeah I think that's really interesting because I think what we were saying about how like a tra- the traditions that have just gone for years and years before like the wedding breakfast and it's like a sit down formal thing remember like the first thing you was like you said you were like like not at all I didn't want a free course meal I didn't want it to be too fancy pants is probably the word I used to describe it um and I remember just going I just want pie and mash because everyone likes pie and mash (laughs) you're not going to get a fussy eater who says they don't like pie and mash because in my opinion they're lying (laughs) they say that and I think you know that that was what I said I think originally Alex wanted like a free course meal um so now we've agreed on a fancy starter Followed by pie and mash. Yeah. <laughs> but, it, but it's like what well, you that compromise. Yeah. And it's what you mentioned about doing things because you think you have to. It's like, oh, well, you have a formal dinner at your. And it's like, no, no, actually, it works. Yeah. It's more work, works out cheaper. It's just finding what works. And also, often, like, if that can save you some of your wedding budget, then that's an extra. Like, that's a plus. Yeah. You want your wedding to be an expression of who you are. Like, that is what a wedding is. Like, Getting married is signing your paperwork. Having a wedding is celebrating who you are. And that's what you need to um, think about when you're planning. And like, do you want to celebrate who you are with a traditional wedding? And if you do, that's fine. Like, of course, there's always, always going to be a place for that traditional wedding. There are always going to be the people who want the three-course meal. And that's great because, you know, it's a love. we've all been to weddings like that and had a wonderful time but if it's not for you then you shouldn't think that you have to do it and I think the other thing people are looking at prioritizing more now um, is the ceremony and how it's conducted who conducts it what is said in the ceremony and how is it said and what's included and that may not be now a legally binding ceremony because you know again it was that oh well, we have to have a registrar in this room at this venue you don't like you can sign your paperwork somewhere and then you can have a ceremony that you tailor to suit you if that is what you want um and there is space for absolutely every kind of wedding every kind of celebration every kind of style and that's one of the things that's so exciting about this industry like whatever you could dream up you could do it and you Mm. could have it you know yeah we um we did originally go down that registrar route and then changed and have got a celebrant led wedding now and we're gonna legally get married a couple of days before but I think what's really interesting is it's currently in the works of being reviewed isn't it that essentially celebrants can actually do the legal aspect of it but I wonder from your opinion do you think that that if that comes into law for example in the UK um do you think that will have a huge impact on like venues for example and things like that it's hard to say it's only a proposal right now so we don't know we don't know how long it will take if it gets made into law we don't know that it will get made into law I will say it is in place in Scotland it is in place um in parts of Ireland I believe Jersey Guernsey I think it's only England and Wales that don't have this legislation in place and to my knowledge the wedding industry is still you know 
working in those those areas you know there are still we work with a lot of venues in Wales a lot of venues in Scotland and I think that there's always going to be a great number of people that want to get married at these wonderful wedding venues and have what they offer and then there are going to be people who want to get married in a forest with hardly anyone there um, where they say you know vows they've written themselves and they're not getting married right now because that's not available to them mm, yeah I don't think that it's going to mean that suddenly everybody is like cancel the stately home I'm going to the forest um, <laughs> or I'm going to my garden but I do think it will open up weddings and the subsequent wedding celebrations to people who may not think it represents them and what they want right now what do you think um, the vendors can do to kind of make themselves come across as more inclusive? Um, you know, you get some that very much, for example, we went to, we've been to a couple of wedding fairs now. And one thing we noticed is a lot of the imagery around there was very bridegroom, bridegroom, bridegroom. You know, is there anything you could suggest to any vendors to make themselves more inclusive? Yeah, well, I mean, you nailed it there. The first thing is your imagery. Like there are so many styled shoots that people can participate in that are really creative and use models other than your traditional bride and groom if you can't find any or get in on any that are happening like why not look at doing your own I think that the imagery is the most important thing because it's what people see people check your listings your Instagram your website and they need to see themselves like they really do that's the the key to it all isn't it you have to be able to see yourself there to be able to imagine yourself working with this person um so imagery is definitely a huge one and there's a lot of work that can be done as well just in simple things like the language you use don't say brides and grooms you know don't say bride this, this is for you or you know don't lean into stereotypes um like the lazy groom that doesn't want to do any planning that kind of stuff like the bridezilla let's yeah. get rid of all that it's got no place you know um one of the things we do at hitch in our content is we we don't say brides this is for you you know we say nearly words um happy couple we try and use language that doesn't create an image of anybody like it could be everybody because that's what we want to see and i think that's just such a simple shift just removing bride and groom yeah. from your your copy and saying nearly words or something instead it is a very easy shift um and yeah just looking at your imagery and, and making sure that even if you don't have it to hand how can you get it how can you create more imagery and content that is representative yeah and making it clear because yeah it is for me it's a big thing I really want everybody who comes to Hitch to feel like it's a place for them yeah, I think it's um, just touching on one thing you said, which I'm not really considered actually, but about obviously we focus a lot on leaning into stereotypes of male, female, bride, groom. But when you were on about like the lazy groom stereotype, the bridezilla, um, I was having a conversation with someone I work with um, and they've just recently got married and uh, they're a straight couple, man and woman, and she openly has said that she did very little. She chose a dress and I think that was just about it. And it was her now husband that um is really meticulous is a really good planner had a really good vision for the day um and that when they were going around to um vendors venues it was very much talking to her as the bride they assume that it's sort of 
her that's taking the direction of the day. Um, and it was kind of, if you want to just sit and have a coffee to the groom, then we can just talk this out. And it's just that kind of entrenched, because it has been traditional for so many years that not even just with like LGBTQ plus couples, but those stereotypes still perpetuate. And often it's very subconscious as well, but it's that those stereotypes of the bride being upset. Some people literally, um, I mean, literally one of my friends got married yesterday and they were engaged for about 24 hours. They got engaged and just got married. And it's amazing and it suits that couple to the ground. Um, and they don't fit neatly into that bride because she didn't want that whole stress of planning a wedding. But I do think it's interesting that that perpetuates as well. Yeah, one of the things people always say to me is, oh my God, I bet you've got your whole wedding planned out. And I'm like, well, no, because like how... Well, A, how could I choose? Because every wedding I see, I think, oh, I want that wedding. Um, but also, like, it, it's just leaning into that that trope that, oh, you're a woman, you've planned out your wedding since you were five years old and you watched your first Disney film, whatever. No, like, it's, yeah, it is a damaging um, stereotype, I think. And it's something that we do have to be mindful of in the industry, that we aren't left like just assuming that a man is really lazy and doesn't want to participate in the planning and he's there rolling his eyes at all the fripperies and the woman is sprinting through fields of tulls, squealing. You know, it's not um, it's not true. I don't know that it's ever been true, really. Um, but, yeah, we, we need to make sure that we're kind of banishing that stereotype for good, you know? Um, it doesn't doesn't help anybody and actually in all the couples that I know the groom has been pretty involved in the planning because why wouldn't he be it's his party too you know yeah definitely. one thing I was going to ask as well um which I think is really interesting is that there's obviously so many wedding vendors for so many different styles of wedding and depending on what you want um and through doing the podcast we've been introduced to a lot of like LGBTQ wedding vendors that they're either LGBTQ themselves or they sort of operate solely not solely, but mainly for like the LGBTQ plus market. Do you think, again, in your experience of working at Hitch, that you find LGBTQ plus couples tend to lean towards choosing vendors that are exclusively LGBTQ plus themselves? Or do you think that really there's not too much of a, a difference? Just because I know in our own wedding planning, we've kind of gone with what feels right for us as a couple, some of our vendors are LGBTQ+, and that's a bonus because we really feel like they get engaged. Yeah, they're engaged with a lot of like our choices and stuff, but I just wanted to know your opinion on that, really. I think you go where you see yourself. So, you know, if it is um, an LGBTQ+, supplier, they may have a lot more imagery that represents that because, you know, that is something obviously they are going to be thinking of much more um you know giving much more consideration to um and couples are drawn to where they see themselves and this is why it's really important that businesses across the board um diversify their offering and make sure that they are creating content where different couples can can see themselves represented and then i think once that happens you will you won't see such a you know it won't become such a factor maybe because you just you go where you see yourself um and where you feel represented and where you feel understood yeah and it, it makes sense I mean a lot of the businesses that I work with in the capacity that I work with them I don't 
necessarily know anything about them other than their business name and, and what they do. And then there are other businesses that do make it very clear how they identify who they work with and why. And and it's just about, yeah, the the kind of shop front that you, you know, create. Yeah. And we, we've spoke a lot about, um, you've touched on before, a lot about language in the industry um, in our previous episodes. And do you see the future of the wedding industry, the language changing? So I think one thing we noticed when we were looking at our venue was, um, bless the lady, which was shown us around, she said, this is the bridal suite, and then corrected herself almost instantly. Is that something you can see changing for the whole industry? Or I hope so. I really do hope so. We are working through, I mean, Hitch has been around now for 25 years. Um, and we have a lot of content that dates back, you know, a couple of decades. And some of that stuff, the language isn't what it should be because it's so old and we are working our way through it to try and make sure that we eliminate all that. And, you know, I'm forever doing control F bridal. <laughs> what can I find? What can I replace? Because, yeah, we need to eliminate these phrases. They don't really serve any purpose. I mean, the original definition of bridal I believe spanned the whole wedding party because you know it was you were the bridegroom and the bride and we need like more inclusive language that doesn't rely on genders so you know we always call it the honeymoon suite or the wedding suite now um and like I said before we will never say brides and grooms um and there's other elements that's very um gendered like hen and stag it's very difficult creating content around these terms because they are so gendered. And I know in the US, like they had the bachelor and the bachelorette party, and now it's more common. They just call it a batch party, mm. which can mean either. And that's great. And like, we need something that comes into like universal usage here that is not quite so gendered um, because you, I am throwing a hen party for my sister this weekend. But honestly, I basically planned her what you would call a stag do because that is her vibe, you know? Yeah. She wants pints of beer and um, bruise-inducing activities. <laughs> um, everything that you look at, hen party, it's pink, it's plastic penises, it's, you know, endless bottles of rosé, and that's not the right fit for her. But, you know, it, it's very gendered. It's really, really, really gendered, and I really hope that we can move away from that. And we've been looking at, you know, the role of bridesmaids rather than bridesmaids and um the mates of honor the stendy fox party yeah. like how do we normalize these terms more yeah. um i mean even bridesmaids you've still got the word bride in it because we have such gendered roles for people and it is a very hard one it's gonna take a lot of unpicking like you've got to get right to the core and bring these things out but it will happen it will 100% happen I mean we're seeing all the time language adapts it changes um and like I'm proud of what we're doing at Hitch to try and help normalize using different language and different approaches and things but yeah there's there's so much more to do you know yeah and there's so much more to be corrected that we already have that we're we're working through um but it is something that won't change unless we change so yeah I think it's a it's a tough job as well because I think like you said there are strides being made and it's things like language and the the 
the way in which weddings are conducted, but also because a wedding is so inherently, more than I think most other industries, it is so inherently gendered, which makes that job even harder, I think. And obviously, same-sex marriage is something that in obviously isn't legal in the majority of the world, but for an industry like in the UK, has only been around for 10 years of an industry that's been around for hundreds. So it is a, a slow, slower task, I think. It is, it is, and it's it's frustrating. Um, we need to like coin new words that we can use. Um, because yeah, it does, it does sometimes feel like how how do we change this? What do we do? What what's the best way forward? Um, and I think to just keep having the conversations is like one of the best things that all of us can do, and make sure that we are making people aware that yeah, you can't call it a bridal suite. You mm. can't like, yeah. you know, we have gender neutral terms for other things so yeah let's let's make it across the board you know yeah honeymoon suite wedding night suite use those terms instead that's that's way better and like the whole thing of oh there's like a den for the grooms to go in and have a cigar and there's like this pink fluffy room for the wind like let's just move away from that like even Barbie doesn't do that kind of stuff anymore. So, like, Absolutely, yeah. if she can, I don't know, be an astronaut one day and then, you know, a karate queen the next, then, like, we should be able to stop saying bridal suite. Um, yeah, it is. Oh, God, there's a lot to talk about when it comes to gender because there's a there's a whole lot out there. Um, yeah, it's weddings and baby stuff that is, I think, yeah. the most gendered things in the world. Um, yeah, Which makes, obviously, operating in the industry, it's more of a challenge, but I think it's a challenge that, like you said, everyone is adapting to and kind of and making huge headways with. Yeah, yeah, I do see a lot of people doing a lot of stuff to open up the conversation, to educate people. And these people are doing it, you know, they're not asking for money to train you or anything, you know, they are just sharing what they believe everybody should know and and it's because they're so passionate about it and it's so good to see and there's so much that we can learn and we are always always trying to learn you know mm -hmm. I would never want to say you know oh well we're hitched and we know it like we don't we don't we have to learn all the time and having conversations is a really key part of that and adapting based on the feedback that we get it's really important to me and yeah, I welcome people sending me their feedback and their ideas and their thoughts because I want to hear and I want to make sure that we adapt and grow with the industry. So I really enjoyed that chat with Zoe that we had the other day. Uh, what's really resonated with me is the fact that a website such as Hitch, which was a website that we started looking at originally when we were first thinking about wedding planning, are starting to seriously think about things like language and it's something that we spoke about in previous episodes as well. Um, what, what do you think? I agree. I think what was really interesting is that when we started to touch upon how much the wedding industry is built upon gender, and I think for couples that are same-sex or non-heterosexual, I think it is a journey to start to unpick those gender stereotypes and those gender roles that are so entrenched into the wedding industry. But as like we discussed with Zoe and hopefully we'll see from more guests and more vendors that we have on the podcast, people are really making huge strides to adapt their business, adapt what they offer and make it as inclusive as possible for everybody. Yeah. And it, and it has to happen. Um, at the end of the day with language, it's, it is a learning curve for people. But if we 
start to, like Alex said, unpick and ungender the the words that are used, such as she was saying, you know, calling the, the traditional bridal suite the honeymoon suite. If we start to do that now, in the future, it will become an awful lot easier and the wedding industry will represent everyone. And as Zoe said, people will see themselves in vendors, venues, etc. And it will help everyone. And it doesn't necessarily have to be just for the LGBTQ+, but it will help anyone who maybe doesn't even know how they identify um, or may have changed their identity over their life. And they might be able to see, actually, this represents me. This is This is who I am. And I think that's one thing that we really want to bring with this podcast is language is important. Yeah, and I think what's been really interesting is that the reception we've had from the first couple of episodes is the amount of heterosexual couples that are really enjoying it and the, some comments we've had about how it's making them really think differently about their wedding, the traditions that they want, and it's basically just opening up more avenues to explore how they want to celebrate their day. And I think, like what Zoe was mentioning about those breaking down of traditions, it doesn't necessarily make the wedding industry only cater for non-heterosexual couples but it basically just makes it a more open and inclusive space for anybody of any sexuality of any gender of any race of any personality and I think that's the most important thing is I think everyone wants to be able to find and see inspiration for a wedding day that reflects and represents them. Yeah I completely agree and what Zoe said, again, which I really liked, you know, it's your wedding, it's a reflection of your personality, which I think is really important. If you want to have a look at what Zoe has done with Hitch.co.uk, it's just that simple. Go to Hitch.co.uk and follow Hitch.uk on Instagram. If you want to talk to Zoe specifically, she's at Zoe Elizabeth Burke on Instagram. So next time we're going to have an episode around choosing your wedding party, which is something that we didn't think would be that difficult. <laughs> and it was. <laughs> it was. It was really <laughs> difficult. And it's, you know, how to maybe let someone know that you want them to be part of your party, how to let someone know that you don't want them to be part of your party, um, and navigating things such as family requests, friends requests, old promises, and just general traditions about your wedding party. So with that being said, Alex, what are we having for tea? Do you know what? I've not been shopping in about a week. I don't know what's in the fridge, but I know we've got some chicken. So I'm going to make like a proper kid's tea, like cornflake battered chicken with chips and beans. British tapas. Yeah, basically. Very British tapas. Um, thanks, everyone. And tune in next time for another episode of Where's the Bride? Thank you. Hasta la vista.